0: Awesome, welcome back to part two of the episode with Candy's. This is an amazing episode. First of all, I've never done a part two with anybody. I had to do a part two with you because this writing is suspenseful. I had the opportunity. She shared uh, the the draft with me, shared the writing with me, let me get my eyes on it so I can really ask some in-depth questions. Normally, when an author comes on here, You know, you get sampled highlights, overviews, themes, but I never get the full text, so I can't really dive in. Rosie, let me have the thing. I appreciate it. I have to purchase the real book because you would never do that to anybody. Uh, But it is an interesting and very good, great read. I encourage you all out there to support her a line of question, you know what it is. We gotta start this thing off like we do every time. This is it is what it is podcast. You want to keep seeing amazing content. You gotta do two things. You gotta connect with me on Instagram at CVMK33 and on YouTube at CV space K. I feel like I have said that at least a million times. Where all great content is seen, heard, and felt. Now, with that being said, Rosie, how are you doing today?
1: <laughs> I am having a great day. It's Thursday. Almost to the end of the week. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's Friday Eve.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's how you look at it, man. Thursday, Honestly, Thursday might be the coolest day of the week because, you know, tomorrow is Friday and the next day, you know, like sometimes you get to Saturday, like, oh, Sunday, that means Monday is around the corner. Thursday really is that day. Absolutely. And on a great Thursday like today, we're going to talk about this book. We're going to get into it because you have written some very transparent. Transparent and I do mean transparent things. Things I don't even know if I would possess the boldness to discuss at length. So before we get into it, I want to first of all appreciate your vulnerability. Thank you for sharing your story. I think it's going to bless so many souls out there who have had similar experiences or are going through their own test and trauma and need a, a voice, uh, a, 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 a person of, of confidence something that they can provide and get motivation from and i believe this is for them i want to start with the daddy issues chapter i tried to dissect being a strong black woman i there's a lot there but i want to get into to me when you start really becoming because that's kind of more of like a prelude I mean, obviously it becomes before, but it's really a prelude to daddy issues, right? Like I always say, strength is the inversion of weakness, right? So I want to start with the daddy issues chapter. I have a quote. I wrote it down here. Uh, In the quote, you said, I have the one memory of trying to protect my mother. I vividly remember the ear-splitting smack to the face that I got. That's a lot. Right. A very painful memory, a very, I'm sure even writing that having to relive it uh, was something. Uh, And it's crazy when I think about having the confidence to reveal past hurt and trauma. You have to deal with the fact that, A, it happened. You can't ignore it. B, you might not be over it as much as you think. And then sharing that truth with others who who are not invested, you know, comes with great cost. What gave you the confidence to even reveal that truth? Because that's not a, you know, like that's not something you just brush over, you know, what, what gave you the confidence?
1: Um, I guess the biggest thing is that was a real defining moment in my life. Um, My brothers had moved away and I felt like I was not protected anymore. Like as, as long as they were around, I knew that I felt safe. Right. Well, when they left, it left me very vulnerable. And, you know, I'm next oldest in line. I took on that let me protect my younger siblings, let me protect my mom now that my brothers are gone. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, um, and it is very, it's a very, very vivid description of of what happened. But it defined me in a sense, in that moment, I decided I'm never going to be weak as a woman. And I'm mm-hmm. never going to let anybody treat me any kind of way or you know decide that they're gonna do whatever to me like in that moment I think I was maybe like 12 but I was making decisions in that moment after that smack it was like oh no it's certain things that is never gonna happen to me sure and and I decided and it took me a long time to forgive my mom um it was it was a long time, but we, you know, we talked about it. We got hmm. through it. Forgiveness hmm. was there. Um, but I made some decisions about her too, without really knowing, you know, what strength and weakness was.
0: How did, how did you process? So you said you were 12. I, I wondered how old you were when that occurred. You mentioned that it came uh be your stepfather. Uh, how, how, how did you process? Like you're 12 years old. You know, like I remember being 12. 12 is kind of one of those ages where it's like I'm growing out of a kid and, you know, I'm about to become a teenager. I'm trying to be grown, but I don't know what, you know, this nuance is, but I still am all full kid. And you get hit with this revelation. Um, and now you have to have an opinion about it and about others. Right. Right how, what has that discussion been like? Uh, you said it changed your opinion about your mom. Like what, what, what changed? Uh, and then what does that discussion lead to?
1: Um, so part of it is, is that all of us experience trauma. And normally when we think about trauma, it stems back to what childhood, right? Mm-hmm. So to really be able to dissect it, you have to go back to not just your trauma, but your parents trauma. So you have to pull from there for you to be able to be in, navigate and have the tools you need to kind of process your trauma. So there are things that, you know, happen probably with her that allow certain things to happen. And then in my life, certain things happen. And then I'm like, oh shoot, I allowed that to happen because of of defining moments in childhood so in that moment it was more about me deciding to be strong then I guess then really um, allow myself to feel, to have emotions it was just like I have to be strong because what I thought she was was weak so I was just going to be the opposite so whatever I felt she was I was just going to be the opposite um, mm-hmm. without really, I don't even know if I was really processing, I just knew what I didn't want So me having a conversation um, with my mom was more of like, I need you to forgive me because in that moment, I held a grudge. Like for years, it was, you know, I didn't really let her in with certain, you know, things that was happening in my life. You know, she would kind of find out after the fact and things like that. I knew I was doing it. I don't know if she really knew why right but that moment really kind of made a lot of things happen um for Mm -hmm. me in my thinking in my reacting to my behavior that moment because I guess when you when your dad isn't present sure and then your brothers who is like the next best thing so when both parties are gone it leaves you very vulnerable. And then you kind of look to what may be an impossible strength or a a made up strength, but that's what you turn to in those moments so that you completely are opposite of what you think you don't want to ever be.
0: I like it. I like it. You know, uh, in processing... Sometimes it doesn't hit you till like later. Um, you mentioned the twins. Uh, you mentioned the loss of child. I I, I had to uh, bury uh, the baby of a woman who was lost during birth. And it shook me. I didn't realize it. It shook me, you know, like I had to commit the body to the ground. And you know, I've been to a million funerals. Um, every funeral is different. Crying is part is natural, but you know, I'm not really saddened. I was like when I got to my car and I realized what I had done and I saw how small the coffin was, like it it rattled my mind. Like I was uneasy about it, right? Um and then you mentioned getting pregnant the things you had to do to get it and then you mentioned you know thinking that your water broke and then taking the bath right you didn't you thought you were going to go to the hospital smell like urine and then you mentioned you know the blame like did i wait too long and all this i could not write that without a couple things time and a bottle of sangria (laughs) <laughs> how did you? <laughs> how did you? Saying, how did you? How did you write? I mean, that couldn't be one sitting, right? Like, how did you sit there and say, "I'm gonna actually put this to paper"?
1: So, it was one of those things where um, I've been able to, I guess, talk to several women that has experienced the loss of a child. Um, not being able to get pregnant, um, and having babies in a NICU. So it's it's been kind of this journey after it happened to me. It seems like friends, family, it just started happening where I've had to relive it several times, right? Because if somebody, one of my friends had a baby, her baby was in a NICU you know, she wants to know, okay, at this stage, what happens? And then what happens? So I had to go back and for, to be there for her, kind of give her the steps she needed to walk through the process. I was already kind of over the hill. Sure. Um, it's one of those things you learn to live with. You're never going to get over it. You lose a baby. You're never gonna, you can have more kids, all that can happen. It never goes away. Right. But in those moments, um, I had to decide, like, are you going to just live this moment and it becomes just for you? Or are you going to help someone else get to where you are in your healing process? So, yeah, it was definitely a lot of conversations, a lot of therapy and a lot of, like, reflection and and bringing it to, you know, like to pass. Like, oh, my God. Let me just think about what all happened in that moment leading up to their birth. So, yeah, it took a couple set- took a couple settings, couple conversations, definitely lots of therapy um, to be able to write that. But I knew that there are so many women who, like I know women, but then there are so many that I don't know that have experienced those very things. And the truth is, we, we knew like, you know, water breaks when you're pregnant, but you really don't really have an idea because nobody really has ever <laughs> explained what that is. Like nobody says like it keeps running. <laughs> like you just think your water breaks. Boom. But nobody says like, OK, there's a trail of water that <laughs> follows you all the way to the room for you to give birth. And, you know, well, what does it smell like? You know, it's all these things that you really like I didn't know until that moment. So
0: does it, Um, I feel like because you spend a lot of time on that particular chapter, you know, one of the things I always say uh, any true fan of reading any true um, person that likes literature understands that every author has a specific style. Their style is what makes the thing works, you know, Preachers do it all the time. Right. But they don't do it outside the Bible with your style. I learned I started noticing how much time you spent, particularly from first chapters to the third chapter, the things you really wanted to focus on and then the things you kind of wanted to speed up. Right. That portion you spent the most time uh, from the medication that. You know, the doctor gave you, um, you know, to being excited to, you know, dealing with uh, dealing with the loss of a child. And you really created a detailed narrative around it, right? And a detailed account. And then you started uh, postings, you know, you started writing scriptures of comfort and things of that nature. But what what are you trying to relay um, other other than the point of just exposing it? Like, cause to give that much detail, right? Like that was a defining moment, like something in you switched because from that you move it to why they don't matter. And, and it's almost like a domino effect. It couldn't like be, this just was a separate instant. It was like this and then this, like this set it off. And at that point, you know, I'll get to that later. what what was that that domino effect for you?
1: So um, you know, we live life and we're always wondering like what's the worst thing that could happen, right?
0: Sure.
1: Um, and what was really defined for me, and that is probably why I spent a lot of time on that chapter, is because the worst thing. When you think about some of the worst things that can happen, losing a child is one of those things, right? But once you are not like taken out, like it doesn't take you out and you live it and you heal from it, you never you're never going to get over it, but you cope and it's almost like you become invincible like I can do anything now because the worst thing that could happen to a person has happened. And it didn't kill me, you know, like I didn't die. I didn't just lay in the bed. I, I had to, you know, get through some tough days, but now being on the other side, I feel like I can do anything. And in those moments, you know, I guess it is a a great transition to why they don't matter is because life is going to happen to you and things are going to happen that, you know, are good, bad, indifferent. But then you realize what really matters in life. And some of the things we spend a lot of time on, a lot of things that we give a lot of energy to, at the end of the day, they don't really matter, (laughs) you know? Mm And in in those moments where you needed healing, a shoulder, support, encouragement, you know, those two are the people that mattered, right? But when you make decisions on the other side, the people who you think may have something to say, when you realize like they're not in your circle and they're not your support system, you then realize hey they really don't matter <laughs> like they're mm-hmm. not pouring into my life they just may have an opinion about something that they really don't know you know that much about because they really don't know you so then you have to get into like well h- how how do they have that much power you know if if they're not really in your circle mm-hmm. so there is like it, it's amazing how much power these unnamed people have over people and once you've been through stuff that I've been through you just Mm -hmm. realize like I'm not giving them that kind of energy or that kind of power over (laughs) my life I'm going to which is the hashtag I'm going to rewrite my story and whether people like it or not it's my story so yeah
0: I like it I like it which leads to to me the best chapter who I was hoping. I was hoping this is my only push. I wanted more details. I'm not gonna lie. I wanted I wanted the smoke on this chapter. So why don't they matter? I have a quote here, and this is why because I feel like it's a story within the story. It's more than a chapter, it really is its own story. You're right. Many of us highly regard pastors and first ladies. So much that we fall or that we fail to accept the notion that they are flawed. You mentioned the executive leadership of the church being flawed, but you never mentioned the flaws of the executive leadership. Right. You you say that they're flawed. And it's like, yes, finally. <laughs> what are they flawed with? <laughs> you know, like or his flaws is big. I, I and I get it. Love will make you protect even when things are over. That is totally the responsible thing to do. But I'm petty, no I'm blame. But I I I want to know. I want to know, you know, because I'm sure this is more common than not. <laughs> when we have individuals in leadership that stay together because of optics more than because of truth as noble as it is it's deceiving right and because we can't discuss it right (laughs) you can't even discuss it nobody I feel like gets healed from it what should what should you've been a first lady what should first of all as a first lady what What should be the message of 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 a pastor, of a co-pastor of a of a uh, married to a pastor of a of a church or a religious organization? What should that be? first question. Second question is, therefore, what should that be an expectation or should that even be a desire? And before you answer that,
1: Wait, but to be a first lady, yeah be yes, because I
0: think I think what's happening is people, and I'm not you because you don't you don't allude to it, and I know you, I know this is not your truth, but I think with this generation, people like clout, they like it, they like all of it, and what comes with it, regardless of the truth of the situation, and I feel like it's a very dangerous slope we're heading down, right? So to start off with uh why didn't you mention the flaws
1: um i think because at the end of the day regardless of title talent gifts we're still human and although we're spiritual beings we're still human and i think a lot of times that expectation that we put on pastor first lady the the perfectness that they should possess um, when they show up, they're on all the time. And really, that is a flaw. There's no way you can really be on like that all the time, right? But it's who you present, you know, when you arrive at church, because there's a a huge spotlight on you. So, you know, they looking at what you have on, they look at when you wipe your nose, they look at how you care for your children, they they're watching your facial expressions when the pastors are preaching. If you're not standing, you know, then it's, ooh, did they get into it before they came to church? or ooh, is she mad at him today? I mean, there's there's so much pressure there. Right. So so anybody that kind of desires um, to be a first lady, they definitely don't know the pressure that comes with it. Right. Like, yeah, it's the big hats and the sitting on the front row. Right. And, you know, you got people at your beck and call, but the flip side of that is, it's the, it's the emotional toll, the, the pressure of wanting, even though they're not asking you to be perfect, but it is some kind of perfection that you put on yourself that I have to present, uh, you know, a certain way and, oh, I can't say that, or, you know, I better not share this, or I may not do that. Uh, Let me stand up. You know, you you may have wore some shoes that are like, ooh, these shoes are not the standing shoes. But if you don't stand for your husband that's preaching. First lady ain't standing up, you know, like forget the fact that she's still human. She may be tired. She may have a job like she's been up with these kids all night. None of that matters because they want people to be on. And I just think it's a it's kind of an unreasonable expectation that. You know, when you're in that position, it's like trying to climb a mountain that's like smooth on one side. You know, that's that's hard to do.
0: No, I believe it. Uh, You know, people think, uh, you know, I I give it. I said, I don't know how my my grandmother did. I mean, (laughs) shout out to Calvert Marshall, because, yeah, being a first lady is uh, is more than a notion. You, you talk about you know the the unfair expectation of it when like what can't you do right like what are the dos and those like can you can you you know um listen to beyonce can you i mean what what like could I or what could my wife do that you could not do that they would look at April and be like Oh well, that's just April. They look at Rosa like, well, yeah, but that's first lady, right? You know, like, what are some of those things?
1: Well, I guess it's um, it's kind of weird because I've always had, um, to me, I've always had this expectation on me since I was a small kid. Like I talk about that in the in the first chapter of being Superwoman, like. Yeah. I remember babysitting people's kids at like 10 years old where like now I have an eight year old and in two years, I would never (laughs) let him watch anybody's kid. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's always been like this kind of like expectation on me. And again, what, what I did as like first lady was different from like what I did with my circle. So you have to have some kind of outlet, right? Um, I I didn't wear pants. Like I'm in the South and, you know, before getting married, I wore pants. Um, but I do remember growing up because my great grandmother was like the holy one. So we didn't wear pants for a span of, you know, as as during my childhood. And then when I got married, I didn't wear pants. But now, you know, I got my pants. <laughs> I got my pants back on, yeah, right?
0: Yeah, all right.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that there has to be an outlet. There's yeah. no way you can be on like that all the time, and then you need a place that's safe. So you need a place where you can, in a sense, let your hair down, joke, laugh, dance, whatever it is. Right. Um, You have to have that. Like, yes, we love God and we trust him and we have faith and, you know, we speak in tongues. Right. But there has to be a place where you can feel safe, where you can can share and be vulnerable because church isn't really that place for if you're in a leadership like that. You know, that's not the place where you can go and just lay on the altar and just receive from God because they're looking at you like. Is she, is she okay? But there are moments, right? you know, when you're like, I just want to go to church and I don't want y'all looking at me. I just need to get something from God, you know, but a lot mm-hmm. of that had to happen at home or at a place where nobody knows you, you know, a church where it's like, we don't know who that is. And you can feel free to kind of worship and receive.
0: Yeah, see, I would, I, I bring my flaws with me. So I'm like, so Jay Z comes with me everywhere. I, <laughs> you know, I got the Holy Spirit, and I got you know Jigga Man. So you know <laughs> what, what, what was that talk? Because this is where I was trying to get to. It was never really like you mentioned it. You mentioned an exit strategy, and then bam, you know. But I'm like, ah. Uh, that's what I wanted. And that's what I want to uncover. That had to be, that had to be hard. Right. Like, you know, this isn't ABC scandal. This isn't a TV show. Like, you know, exiting, you know, that's a, that's a, that's, that's, that's a nuance. Right. Like, how did you, I mean, how did you like, how did you just deal with it? How did you be like, you know, you know, whatever, whatever for me, you know, this is what I need. I know the residual effect and I know what you all think, but this is what I need to do. Tell me about that exit strategy.
1: Um, it was really, um, a conversation with God and kind of making a decision. Listen, it's either go be me come with you or <laughs> it's going to be me have to go. Gotcha. And um, I was real with God just like that. Like I am, you know, in the book, I talk about waking up dead. That was one of those things where I had to, in that moment, the exit strategy was I got to live. Like I knew that, there were things that God had already spoken that hadn't been fulfilled yet, which means that I need to be here to be able to fulfill it. But that meant that I couldn't do it really in this dead state. Mm -hmm. So I had to make a decision first to live and then whatever living meant, I had to do it. So um, it was probably one of the, toughest decisions of my life. Um, And now I know that they don't matter, right? What everybody had to say, because it's my life, right? But it took, you know, it wasn't a um, decision that was like, like, all of a sudden, Yeah. I kind of put the tools in place for me to be okay. You know, that meant I needed to get some some counseling i needed to have these conversations i needed a safe space where i could share and and be okay with okay the next day and then all right leading up to you know this actual exit my therapist she's amazing like we walked through it all and you know it was the pros the cons how you go deal with this how we go deal with that we we did the work but it was necessary for my own life. And it wasn't about, like we talk about the flaws and all of that. This really was, um, and you can kind of when you read the book, you can kind of see that this book isn't about anybody else but me.
0: No, it's not.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it was strategic um, because I really wanted people to see that a lot of times, you know, you can play the blame game, you can do all of that. But at the end of the day, it's accountability for decisions that you made that at the end, you got to stand for yourself. It's not me and, you know, all these other people. It's you by yourself. So you have to have conversations with God to really allow him to to not in a sense give you the okay, but let you know that he still got you regardless of the decision that you're about to make i needed to know that he wasn't going to punish me or you know mm. throw me away you know like most people do i was like okay god now we still together right even though you uh, still got me like <laughs> you still got my back cuz i'm gonna need you um right through here but uh. it was it really was important um to to seek out the help that you need to really get that stuff out of you. Cause a lot of times you don't realize that you've kept so much stuff inside and you don't have an outlet, you know, you don't really want to tell your friends like, Hey, I done had some thoughts of just like, I don't want to be here anymore. Cause then it's like, Is she crazy or what? But
0: yeah. when
1: you're in those sessions and you're really working on healing then it's about that. Like it's a real no judgment zone. And I know a lot of people may not, you know, like, nah, I don't go to no therapy. I don't need no counseling. I'm not crazy. yeah. But you get a chance to unload all this stuff that you have inside of you. It really is just a conversation, but it's a conversation with somebody that you don't have to see every day because you know, if you tell your friend or people you see, then it's like, I wonder if they thinking about what I told them, but this this is one of those, like when it's a therapist, you get to go and see them when you want to see them. And when you don't want to see them, you don't have to, but then you know that it's a safe space and it's no judgment. You know, we should be able to do this in church, but the truth is the confidentiality in church is just not there. The minute people get some information it's out and we do so much damage to people by doing that. Like, can y'all keep secrets like Jesus? Like we want to be like Jesus, but we want to keep the secrets. Nah, so they do, yeah. like,
0: uh, they do you like, they uh, do you like a Judas boy. Next thing you know, you're like, Hey, who are these guys? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Who's coming from me? Right.
0: Yeah. So my last question, Rosa, I appreciate this so much. Uh, and then we'll, you know, get into where they can get the book, how they can support you you know, you talked about uh, in the book, you know, uh, you worked on yourself, You talked about the, the counseling and the therapy. You talked about, you know, going back to get your other degree. You talked about the promotion on the job. Um, you have leveled up, I think is where I'm trying to get to post all of this. No matter what kind of transpires, is there like anxiety? And what I mean by that, like, um, even in times of success, I've noticed for myself, I'll question me and be like, you know, is this is this is this real? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I've had, especially recently, I don't know why this is going on, but like, is this real? Like, am I really at this point in life? I, I, are you have? I mean, is that a real thing? Like, because you know, you you've done this, you've done this, you moved on, upgraded. You you know you now you're an author, you're becoming. Uh, this mogul, and it's like, is there a a a not maybe a fear a fear with it all this newness, right? How do you deal with that?
1: Well, it was definitely uh fear, um, it was definitely anxiety. Um, I did a lot of like journaling, um, in the beginning, just to be able to go back and see like, oh, wow, I'm not in that place anymore. Like, look how much progress I've made. But any decision, you know, that's big like that. Yeah. There's always like the fear that you don't know what's going to happen. Like you've been in this place for a while and now you're doing something different. So you don't know what's going to become of that. But it it really was um, reactivating that relationship with God to really know that he had me because Mm -hmm. then it was just me. (laughs) You know, like I need to know that if I don't have anybody else, God, I got you. And, And that is where I really found the strength because I allowed myself to be weak so that he would allow his strength to, you know, give me the courage to keep going. But, oh, yeah, the anxiety. And I know this is the thing. If you see anybody that's great or anybody that's successful, you have to know that there is a story behind it. Like, people make it look easy. And I know people like, oh, you were able to do this and you accomplished that. But the truth is, the story to where you, you know, yeah, like know. nobody just fumbles and fall on success. That is not what happens.
0: It just not most doesn't.
1: of us. Yeah, it's like right. always a story to get you where you need to be, but that also builds character. You know, it builds character, integrity, and, and all the things that you need to be successful. You kind of get it during the journey. You know, the easy part is being successful. But the journey to get there is where most of the, the, the depth is built. Perfect. Perfect.
0: With that being said, my guest has been amazing. Y'all go support Rosie. Rosie, where can they buy the book, follow you and support what you're doing?
1: So um, they can go to candiesrose.com to purchase the book. Um, Also Amazon has the book. Um, It's available as well as um, my social media is, you know, Candy's Rose Bryant. My Instagram is uh, Roses red 77 And uh, the book launch will be September the 17th uh, in Chicago. And then there will be another in Houston, but I'm excited um, to see all the people and uh, we'll have a QA and a session uh, just to see what, People's thoughts were about the book and everything. And I'm hoping that for the, I guess the biggest thing that I'm hoping is that somebody is able to rewrite whatever situation, issue, whatever they're in, that they, after reading this book, have a defining moment to say, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do things different. And that's probably the the biggest thing that I'm hoping that happens because being in a dead state is just is not productive, <laughs> you know, but a lot of people feel like they're in this by themselves, and you have to know that there are so many people that share more similarities than not, and if they can do it, if I can do it, then you can do it, you just have to overcome the fear.
0: Awesome. Y'all go support, buy the book, connect with her on IG, visit the website, come to the book launch. If you're in the Chicago, the Midwest come to the Chicago location. You're down in the South, check it out in Houston. It is a fantastic read. I appreciate my guests and until next time. Thanks.
1: Thank you.